to another episode of Watch the Game, presented by the Nation Network. I'm Sam Blazer, and this week I'm joined by Pat Keogh from Blue Seat Blogs and NHL Numbers. Pat, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Awesome. I appreciate you joining me this week. Um, the topic du jour, at least for this episode, is going to be the New York Rangers. We haven't touched on too much. We uh, talked a little bit uh, about them with Ian Fleming and, and uh, Nick Mercadante, but I want to kind of take a little bit of a deeper dive with you, especially as they're seemingly the forgotten team in the Metro Division. Uh, the one player that I want to start off with, and they, he seems to be all over the place, and I'm not even sure if it's a topic worth um you know, talking about in the media, but you know, since we're here in a more intimate environment, might as well bring it up. Uh, what do you think of Jimmy VC and what he's done this year? And is there anything that he can do? Do you think, uh, you know, impress the media more, or I guess the fans to put him in better standing? Or what do you think is going on with him this year? Um, so it's an interesting thing, VC. Um, I know a lot of people were really stoked to get him. Um, and you know, obviously, it's a cool thing. It's a a sweepstakes of sorts and you know it costs nothing to sign a college free agent like that so it's it's just kind of its own little treat um but the expectations were set really really high for him and to me i think that's the bigger story i think i mean my personal opinion of him is that he's good he's maybe gonna be better than good uh, maybe not, you know, but right now he's just a good, solid third line kind of guy. Um, the problem he's had is so you, you started off with these lofty expectations. Um, and then early on in the season, he had this crazy shooting percentage binge, um, mm. which is kind of something that a lot of guys on the Rangers have at different points in the season. And I think you could maybe make a case for Alain Vigneault's system uh, driving shooting percentage spikes during certain periods for guys. And, you know, all scorers are streaky inherently. Um, So that's whatever. But we've seen it with, like, Michael Grabner, for example, had, like, a 30% shooting percentage earlier this year. Um you know, sometimes JT Miller is on fire and sometimes he's not. And, uh, uh, that's kind of how it goes. But so VC had that right at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. where he was shooting lights out. I remember that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it was great. It was super cool. Um, you know, a guy comes in with these expectations and he's seemingly meeting them. And then he kind of had a pretty I don't want to say bad, but he wasn't great. Um, maybe not even good uh, during the months of January and February, but he still saw major minutes on one of the top two lines. Um, of course, the Rangers' third line is kind of their top line, so it's the lines don't really matter, but he saw major minutes as, as the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's he's ended up scratched, and there's kind of different ways you could slice it. Um, One of the ways you could look at it is he's not played this long of a season in his career as of yet. Um, College season is shorter. Playoffs are coming up. You want to keep guys fresh. Maybe we're just, you know, rotating them out for a game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, another way you could look at it is that he's been unproductive these last few games. Uh, Pavel Bushnevich also recently sat, and so he's drawn back into the lineup. And so you could make the argument that on merit, Bushnevich has earned a spot and VC has him, which I don't think is necessarily true. I mean, we're still playing Matt Pumple, for God's sakes. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's an interesting thing, VC. I personally, I think he's good. I don't think he's going to be anything phenomenal. I think he might be a little bit better than good, um, you know, as his career pans out. But the the media was all up in a a tizzy today about this. And, um, you know, Larry Brooks put out some tweets saying that during their rookie seasons, Jimmy VC and uh, Joe Thornton put up the same stat lines when Joe Thornton was like 18 when he did his rookie season. And Jimmy VC is like 23 or 24. Ouch. So, yeah, there's <laughs> it's pretty non comparable, um, I would say. It's always but, awkward when that kind of stuff happens. You see like someone in the mainstream media try to make a point like that, and you go, well, I don't really think you can compare it when there's such an age difference between the two, especially in, in the way that the those two are comparable. Especially Joe Thornton, for, future Hall of Famer, Jimmy VC. I think I think we can say he's going to be a fine NHLer, but that's just kind of almost cringeworthy. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really – and so it started this weird cycle of like backlash and then backlash to the backlash – um, I mean, personally, I just think he's a good player. I don't think he's phenomenal right now. I think 30 points from a rookie is perfectly fine. Um, we don't know what he's going to be in terms of style of play. I think that's an important point to, uh, bring in there. And yeah, I mean, to me, this whole VC controversy that's kind of sprung up these past couple days is, is overblown. I don't know. I no, like him. I don't yeah. dislike him. It's such a weird thing to talk about uh, these NHL players and trying to be either nuanced or you know, putting it in the gray rather than being so black and white. Uh, a lot of times what gets the attention of either followers or other people like that, like you know, things that grab people is saying, well, this player sucks. Or this player is the best per- thing since sliced bread. And you can't really have an in-between for the two and that's so that's so unbelievably frustrating because what do you you can't just say you know jimmy vc is okay when, yeah, especially no. especially when you have like you know the, the leafs are actually good movement and things like that you're just, just trying to say you know it's okay to be fine and there's i don't think there's anything wrong with that that it's, it's his bills are still going to be paid yeah i mean yeah like at, at the end of the day he's an nhl player and a pretty decent one so why complain? You know, you've got him cost controlled for a couple years. Like, great. Exactly, and that's why I don't think the, the hullabaloo should be as big as it uh, as it should be. Now, moving to the other forwards on the team, I think something that's a little, I wouldn't say off, but something that a lot of people, if they aren't paying attention too closely, is that Zuccarello and Miller are leading the team in points. Um, and a lot of people are kind of uh, either bewildered or not sure why that's the case. Who would you say are the offensive leaders on this Blue Jackets team? Is there anybody in particular that sticks out to you, or is it is it Zuccarello's team and it's just kind of been happening uh, slowly but surely? Um, well, so I think it's always – Zuccarello has always been a real um, engine of the Rangers' offense. Mm-hmm. 
so, I mean, since he, you know, showed up on the Rangers, I remember I not to be a hockey hipster about this, but I was really hype on him before he went to the KHL. And then when he went to the KHL, I was like, they got to bring back Matt Zuccarello. He's great. Like he's got these slick little moves and all this. And then they brought him back and like, he's been lights out ever since. Um, I think, you know, one of the things you need to look at with a team like the Rangers, where there's so many good forwards is you need to look at who's driving the play and who's more of a passenger. And, I think, you know, Miller and Zook, for example, really drive the play. Um, They really make it happen. I mean, Zook went like, I think it was like 20 games without a goal, but he picked up an assist a game every game during that goalless streak. It was like just nuts. Like it was just a comical, like lopsided thing. Um, Miller is an interesting case too because he's been playing with Hayes and Grabner for the most part um and obviously the finisher on that line is Grabner but Miller also has a scoring touch which is is a nice thing Miller is a really turning out to be a a really well-rounded player um which I think I couldn't be happier with I think he's great I think the Rangers should have extended him long term this summer instead of giving a bridge deal and now he's going to be incredibly expensive to keep um but that's another whole nother thing (laughs) um i i actually (laughs) not to toot my own horn but i think my first piece for nhl numbers was should the rangers have extended jt miller long term and comparing him to chris Kreider, and um someone posted it on reddit and the top comment was no um (laughs) yeah and like those guys are probably like you know, singing his praises now, but whatever. That's always how it works. Yeah. I mean, not to say that I was right, but I was right. <laughs> <laughs> not to but, shoot my yeah, own horn, I, but you know, uh, toot toot guys. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> toot that horn pretty big. But so Miller and Zook are both really kind of, um, the engines of the Rangers offense. And I think, you know, Rangers fans really appreciate Zook. Last year he won the um, Stephen McDonald Extra Effort Award, which is um, an award given to the Ranger who most goes above and beyond the Call of Duty, named, of course, for Stephen McDonald, who uh, was a paraplegic police officer um, who was shot in the line of duty, who passed away this year. But um, Zook won it last year, just to give you an idea of like how much the fans love the guy. Yeah. Um, Miller, I think, is growing into that role. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Rangers forward core is really just, um, when it's on, it's on and it's really nice to watch. Um, it's not always on. (laughs) Yeah. But, 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 you know, that's, 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 that's kind of the NHL, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't, we can't all be the caps. Exactly. Exactly. You know, they 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 can ride that PDO until the second round until they get they lose. I, and and I, I'm not even sure if I can say that as a Blue Jackets fan, but you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out the pot shot anyway. Yeah, I mean, honestly, isn't that what the playoffs are all about? Like exactly. everybody loves that. Yeah, you exactly. know, when it's throwing those people under the bus. Yeah. Now here's I mean, an, here's another player I want to talk to you about uh, on the offensive end that seems to be getting thrown under the bus uh, time and time again, 
um, former Blue Jacket, current Ranger, uh, Rick Nash, and I. I want to. I want to let you kind of have the floor, and I want you to sing Rick Nash's praises. And I want you to to tell me uh, why Rick Nash is still an important player in uh, this day and age. Oh man, let me tell you. I full disclosure. I rock a Rick Nash jersey, so I'm a huge fan. Um, Nash. So. Nash's story is is kind of interesting. When he came to the Rangers, the Rangers were right there, and he was seen as being, like, the missing link. Mm -hmm. Um, That, like, he was what was going to put us over the top. I think immediately after the Rangers acquired Rick Nash, uh, like, the Las Vegas betting odds put the Rangers as, like, odds-on favorites to win the Stanley Cup that year. And they didn't uh, because that's not how these things work. But um, then he – well, there was the shortened season, which we won't really talk about because I I just don't think a shortened season can really tell you much. Maybe some people would disagree. I don't know. Um, But then he had a season where he scored, I think, 43 goals, um, which was really great to watch. Um, I mean, he was really just all around phenomenal that year. And – He's since then kind of cooled off scoring wise. He still picks up a lot of assists, but I think the bigger thing about him is that he's turned into a really great three zone player. And I think that's pretty crucial to the Rangers success. I think when you talk about guys who are driving play, Rick Nash definitely drives the play. Um, You know, Mike Babcock, when Rick Nash was on the Canadian Olympic team, Mike Babcock played him on the penalty kill. And since then Nash has become one of the Rangers best penalty killers, which is really um, an important thing to the team. And yeah, I mean, I just think he's, he does it all, you know, and he does it all by himself sometimes. And and that's really pretty crucial to me. I would kind of liken him to trying to think of an analogous player i would liken him to a sort of like marion hosa kind of player mm-hmm. um and i think that's the way the rangers and rangers fans should be looking at him is you know marion hosa at a certain point in time was supposed to be the guy in chicago and um now he doesn't need to be the guy because patrick kane is the guy and uh you know artemi panarin is the guy and you know but he can still throw it down um and I think that's how the Rangers should look at Rick Nash as being like a solid foundation upon which you can build other pieces. And I think the fact that he's become so good in the defensive zone helps lay that foundation really strong. For sure. I mean, even when his time in the in the Blue Jackets, I remember when uh, Ken Hitchcock was the coach, there was even times when uh, Nash saw some time, some time on the penalty kill. So he's always kind of had that ability. It kind of just, uh, when you go from goal scorer to, you know, all-around player, I think I don't think there's much difference, but I think that there is something there to almost elevate, uh, almost responsibility-wise to take it to the next level. And I think Rick Nash is one of those players. And, I mean, heck, he's always been such a joy to watch. So you, even when you kind of like give him some open ice and let him go, it's like just watching. I, I don't even know like to, uh, a comparative term to actually put it into context, but it's so darn fun to watch him, you know, play with a puck. And I think that uh, 
regardless of what the media has to say about him, he's one of the players that uh, definitely is important to this team, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, so like for example, they play him on the point um, on the penalty kill so that he can create those odd man rushes coming the other way, mm-hmm. and I think when you look at the way he kills penalties, it really um, speaks to his skill set, right? He's he's big and he's got that long reach so he's really able if he gets the puck on the penalty kill then he can hang on to it you know um he's got that speed that acceleration that can really um put teams you know on their heels Mm -hmm. uh whether it's on the penalty kill whether it's you know five on five or on the power play or whatever um so i think yeah i mean i think his skill set is just so well-rounded you know, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got scoring ability, he can set up plays, he's really an all-around player. And I think, yeah, I mean, you're right in that it, it does kind of, it's a shift of, of responsibility and the kind of theoretical framework in which a player falls. But, um, I mean, personally, I almost enjoy it more watching a guy really dominate all three zones and, and really... Um, play an all-around game as opposed to just being a scorer or just being you know the setup man or the finisher or whatever exactly it is pretty darn exciting now uh, someone who is a little bit of a setup man and uh, was acquired by the rangers this past offseason was mika zibanejad uh in a trade with a uh, for D- Derek broussard um his numbers are pretty good but I, what I want to ask you is how did you think he's fitting in with this team? Do you think it's uh, as seamless as the team expected, or do you think that there's a little bit more work to be done with him? Well, there was the injury, right, and that mm-hmm. that was pretty big. Um, he broke his leg. <laughs> you know, like it yeah. sucks. Um, so I think that definitely kind of set things back, but I think it's worth noting that he is right on pace with – Derek Broussard in terms of production, but he's played far fewer games. And I think that speaks to, you know, minute for minute, the kind of production that Mika Zibanejad can bring. Um, I think they were expecting a lot out of him on the power play, and I don't think that's necessarily materialized, but I think also the Rangers power play hasn't been the best. Um, So, you know, it's kind of like, is he not doing well on the power play because he's not doing well on the power play, or is he not doing well on the power play because nobody is doing well on the power play? Um, it it really depends on how you slice it. But I think overall, I mean, he's quick. He's got passing ability. Um, he's got good hands, so he can really set up those, those silky plays. Um, he's good at finding those really narrow seams in the opposition defense on the rush. And I think that obviously is, is the kind of game the Rangers want to play at this point. Um, so I think, you know, he's fit in pretty well. Maybe expectations were a little bit lofty, especially considering that Derek Broussard was a fan favorite and really known as being some someone who really was one of the kind of rocks of the team. Um, you know, the trade was maybe a little jarring for some, depending on how much you love Derek Broussard. I really like Derek Broussard. Um, so, 
you know, I mean, I didn't have crazy high expectations of Mika Zibanejad out the gate um, because I just don't. I don't do that. <laughs> don't don't want to put the onus on him. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't look at players that way as being the be all end all. It's a mm-hmm. it's a team sport. Yeah, like full stop. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, I, uh, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. That's and that's what's tough to do is that sometimes when you're a fan and uh, you know the the fandom kind of gets to you, you you look at it and you sometimes. I mean, I don't know how. How much? I mean, on my end, I'll look at the players, I'll look at splits, I'll look at different stuff like that almost all the time. I'll look at the, you know, the underlying numbers for a player, and I'll be like, oh, this player normally, uh, you know, does this at this time, and then, uh, you know, past 26 games they've been trending this way, and things like that. And so, I mean, that's like the extent of where I go, but I feel like sometimes people are like, he hasn't scored in 10 games, but they don't want to look past, like, you know, the the outside of the box uh, box score there. And so that's yeah. uh, sometimes tough to do. It's interesting, especially, um, I mean, we were talking about Rick Nash before this. Um, he's the kind of guy who people, especially because of his, his cap hit, people expect him just to score all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, it's such a bizarre thing because if you're a guy who was paid that much money shouldn't be a one-trick pony, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they should be good at everything. No, it's true. And, you know, when you look at a guy like Rick Nash's underlying numbers, like, they're good. Like, he's he's a great player, you know? And so with Zibanejad, too, I think if you were to take a look at the underlying numbers, you would be a little bit more impressed than just, um, like, what the box score would tell you. But, you know, he's been productive even in terms of scoring. Um, like I said, like, he's putting up similar numbers to Derek Broussard in far fewer games. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I think he's played like 20 fewer games and he's like right there in terms of points. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you extrapolate his numbers over the entire season, he's just right up there with Kevin Hayes. And I mean, that's who's going to really complain about that. And what are you going to do when someone's injured? That's just uh, the expectations just for some people are, you know, point per game. This player just got, uh, you know, uh, got brought into the team. Why isn't he performing up to this standard, uh, this imaginary standard that I've put on this player? And I mean, and, right. and a lot of times it's extrapolated even to the point when you're on the Rangers. And so, uh, you know, in a big market like New York. And so I want to, that's what I kind of want to transition to is oh, talk about the defense because there's been a lot of expectations for them. Um, the one, I guess, thing that I want to ask you is that if you were the GM, how would you structure this defense? And if you don't want to structure it, would you rather restructure it, move some players around, and what would you do with it? Oh, God, that's the million-dollar question. <laughs> right? Uh, so, I mean, I think to me, and like, it, depending on how big of a fan you are of Dan Girardi, it, it may or may not hurt to say. Um, Mm. for me, I used to be a big fan of Dan Girardi and then I've obviously watched him decline over the years and, you know, the constant arguments over how much he's done for the team and stuff have left me kind of, uh, exhausted for lack of a better term. Um, to me, I think you got to buy out Dan Girardi, um, and then take that money and, spin it into a Kevin Shattenkirk contract. That's the first step. 
Do you think that happens? It feels like the, it's a foregone conclusion that Shattenkirk is going there next year. Is that is that? Do you think that's going to happen? Um, I mean, he wants to play in New York, and the Rangers desperately want a real partner for McDonough. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think it makes a little bit too much sense to not happen. <laughs> to not go for it. Yeah, I mean, there's rumors, though, of course, that other teams are going to throw him, like, bucket loads of money and and that's that's good troubling yeah i mean that's good for them that's troubling to me it's whatever um (laughs) but i think the yeah the first thing i would do is buy out girardi and use the money to make a serious run at kevin shattenkirk um the next thing i would do would be to re-sign brendan smith and if possible trade uh, ideally, you would trade two out of Mark Stahl, Kevin Klein, and Nick Holden. Mm. Whether you could actually get that done is like, you know, I'm not a GM. I don't know how easy it is to make trades. I'm assuming it's hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you if, you, if you take a look at if you take a look at Stahl's contract, though, that's it's a toughie. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's it's massive. Tough and pill to swallow. It's, yeah, it's problematic too in the way it's structured. That's why I would buy out Girardi instead because um, I think one of the years it's that weird thing where you like subtract like the buyout payment or whatever, and it ends up being bigger than like whatever. Mm-hmm. So you would pay like four and a half million dollars for one or two years. Um, against the cap for buying out Stahl's contract. So even if you buy him out, like you're kind of cooked. Yeah, and, and that, that's a tough thing to do. And now another player that interests me, I guess, on the defense that I want to talk to you about, and he's been a journeyman his, pretty much his entire career, but it looks like he's having a little bit of a renaissance, whether it be you know shooting percentage or on-ice save percentage help. Uh, Nick Holden has a fair amount of points this year, I mean, heck, on his end, he's uh, just behind Zabanajad and in front of VC. Oh, what do you make of him? His underlying numbers aren't so hot, but you know there are some players on this team that are, you know you kind of almost have to look at the relative to kind of get the full story. What, what do you think about him? So I think <laughs> it's uh, it's funny because Rangers fans um, have kind of seen this story before, and Kevin Klein, Kevin Klein, the past two seasons. Uh, put up serious points early on in the season and then kind of fell off in terms of both points production and in terms of defensive play. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and this year he's just been a disaster. Um, so Rangers fans have, or at least certain Rangers fans have been clamoring for Jeff Gordon to trade Nick Holden while he can, um, riding that point production to, you know, a high selling point. Um, I'm not sure that'll happen. Uh, I think what happened with Nick Holden was his shooting percentage uh, skyrocketed in October, November for whatever reason and came back to earth. And some nights he's reliable at best. And some nights he's like the kind of guy you don't want to see on the ice at all 
mm-hmm. you know, um, like he's prone on his worst nights. He's prone to really bad turnovers and really bad, you know, positioning errors and lost assignments and things like that. Um, he, he can be not so great. Um, on the flip side, some nights he's just fine and it doesn't matter. And I think the, the problem with Nick Holden is, is finding those nights where he's just fine because that's all he needs to be. Um, but it's, he's inconsistent. He's wildly inconsistent is the big thing. Yeah. And that's always tough to kind of pin down and how much do you want to really invest in inconsistency, right? That's just uh, that's that's another box of worms that you know you don't necessarily want to open up, and when you already have so much money invested in the defense, that's kind of you know you looking at yourself and thinking maybe this isn't where we should uh, put all of our weight. Now a play, a player that's been you know uh, that the Rangers have put a lot of weight into is Henrik Lundqvist, and he's uh, you know had a fine year, but Antti Ranta has had a pretty good year comparatively. Um, I asked uh, Nick Mercadante this last week, but I want to ask you just to kind of hammer the point home. What is going on here, and is there a goaltender controversy, and should there be? Um, <laughs> okay, so in order, um, what's going on is Benoit Allaire. Um, he's a miracle worker. He's just one of the best goalie coaches in the league in my opinion, if not the best. Um, is there a goalie controversy? I would say no. And should there be, I would also say no. Interesting. I, I, I was kind of hoping for whatever reason that you'd be like, yeah, there actually, uh, there actually should be a controversy. And, and, and I know why that they're like, you know, no one's going to push towards that or no one's going to push for that. I mean, look at what he's done. Uh, Lundqvist is done and even if he is having a slightly down year I mean come on <laughs> the, the the history is there and I don't think necessarily when you look at some of his baseline numbers that this is him uh, you know finally reaching the backside of his career I think that there is time for him still in the league do you, do you agree with that sentiment or do you think that this may be a sell high scenario um, no, I, I for sure think he's still got a lot left in the tank. Um, I think, you know, as far as goalie controversy goes, um, Antti Ranta has had a phenomenal year. Um, I wrote about it recently. He's kind of approaching where Cam Talbot was at right before the Rangers traded him. Um, and I'm personally of the opinion that the Rangers should sell high on Ranta. Um, if providing he doesn't get picked in the expansion draft. Um, I, that's another part that's interesting to me is that we don't talk about that enough is I feel like in some situations, I'm not, I don't want to put this in the Rangers or put this on the Rangers rather and say that this could be a situation where that happens. Cause I mean, heck you could probably get so much value from Lundquist, but I feel like a lot of times the discussion is, we're not giving GMs enough credit to talk about how they may want to move on from some old players. To be like, you have a no-move clause, but there's no way in hell you're playing on this team next year. You want to waive this. So we see a lot of times uh, on these projections, we're like, that's an okay roster. They could probably finish you know, just right outside like uh, 
you know, the uh, the bottom two thirds of the league. Um, but I think that there's going to be some of that happening, and I don't think it's going to happen in the case of uh, Lundqvist, Ranta. But I, that's that's an interesting thought to me that I feel like is not brought up enough, and I, I want to kind of reiterate it on the air to <laughs> make, make oh, sure that the sure. thoughts out I there. Mean, if you look at what's going on, I think Los Angeles is a, a really fascinating case with Bishop and Quick. Yeah, like what's going to happen there? Yeah, the discussion that I've at least heard is that they don't want to move on from quick, but his injury history is problematic. So I think if he were to break down here, there'd be more of a, huh, what should we do uh, type sentiment. Because, I mean, they have a lot of money invested in him. And when you have a – one of my good buddies who writes at um, Buckeye State Hockey, he always talks about how league average goalies are much easier to find than people want to give credit for, and uh, and when you talk about like the differences between um, a league average goalie and then best in the league goalie, the the real actual goals that like are the difference over the entire year ends up being six to ten goals, which uh, generally amounts to about five wins, which is ten points, which is okay, but how much are you willing to pay for ten points? You know. Uh, compared compared right. to the baseline, and that's a question that I can't answer, <laughs> and that's a, a way above my pay grade. But it's something to ask yourself because when you're paying a goalie, I mean, a seven plus million dollars, you have to ask the question. And it was a question that I, that the reason he brought it up is because Sergei Bobrovsky, for as well as he's playing as he was playing, you know, he wasn't playing up to his contract that uh, was like I think second or third most in the league. And when that's taking place, you kind of have to say. Um, we need more output here, and if you're not get, if you're not getting it, you can find it elsewhere, and I think you can find it for a pretty cheap price if you know what you're looking for. And I I don't think that's the case here with Lundqvist and Ranta, but I it's fun to talk to Rangers fans about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I think for me the difference there is consistency. I saw someone can't remember who. And this was definitely math that I don't understand at all. But um, someone on Twitter posted a thing of like how many points on, in the standings like each goalie has added to their team over the past however many seasons. And Lundqvist has averaged like 12 points a year added for 10 years. Um and I think you know that's that's the difference between a guy like Lundqvist and a guy like Bobrovsky is is there's plenty of goalies who can have a a nine thirty five season. Uh, I think the difference with Lundqvist is that he almost always has a nine thirty five season. You know, like yeah. This year being exception, you know. Mm-hmm. And then those exceptions are always tough to pinpoint, and then that oh, then you always end up having these conversations because you need your goalie to be the most important player on the ice, and so that's always just you're kind of weighing your options, trying to make sure that this is uh, you know the handled the right way, especially because you know there's only there's only two of them on a team. <laughs> if you wrong one, and the other one feels like they could possibly have that happen, you could just end up with you know. You don't want your goalies to be a head case anyway, and if they start having something that emotionally ends up being, you know, effective to them, that's just an entirely different thing. And whether or not that shows on the ice is also uh, another comment. But it's it's always interesting to me to always to try to talk about it, and that's why I, I love having goalie people on because I'm like 
I don't get this. Why why do you think this and why is it going to happen this way? And so it's uh and this of course this controversy or not a controversy but discussion is uh always pretty interesting to me. Oh yeah, I mean goalie stuff to me is super fascinating. Um like I always find it interesting when like goalies get new contracts because I have no idea how you determine market value for a goalie. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, and especially when you the salary cap. I guess should set it a little bit more in stone, but it's it's only raising more questions at the end of the day, which is uh, uh, makes it. I mean, obvi- obviously, the GMs are probably pulling their hair out, but even for fans and bloggers and writers alike, you're kind of trying to figure out the uh, the thought process there, and it's not making too much sense. Now, Pat, I, I appreciate you coming on today, but before I let you go, what I'd like to do is give you an opportunity to uh, plug your Twitter account, plug where your writing is, and maybe a uh, TV show or movie that you've seen recently that you want to plug on here too for our uh, listeners. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I say stupid things um, at Catpeo, K-A-T-P-E-O-G-H. Um, I write about hockey at blueseatblogs.com. Um, we have a bunch of other really smart writers. Um, so definitely give that a look. And as far as a movie or TV show, um, I saw Lego Batman recently. Good flick. That was really good. Right. I I liked it a lot. I, uh, what was funny is my girlfriend and I went to go see it and, uh, we both got beer at the uh, the bar at the theater, and we went to sit down, and we realized that even at the nine o'clock showing, we were surrounded by kids, and we were kind of like, mm, <laughs> "This this this doesn't seem the most appropriate. Maybe we should uh, maybe we shouldn't have done this." But I mean, nonetheless, the movie's immersive, and I think it kind of goes across uh, all ages. So no, it wasn't like you know seeing an extremely kiddie movie and drinking a beer and kind of being creepy in that regard. But it was nonetheless, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, when I saw it, I was the only person in the theater with my brother and his girlfriend, so um, that was just bizarre, you know? Hey, there's nothing wrong with third wheel in it, man. There's nothing wrong with third wheel in it. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess so. Um, yeah, I got to run, though, but thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Pat. appreciate it.